Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. But, but, but look at this, and I think the church really needs to embrace this truth perhaps now like never before. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. It says, brethren, and that's generic, it just, it's just simply saying men and women or believers. If a man is overtaken in a trespass, ye who are spiritual, and there are a lot of folks who think they're spiritual, but they're really not. Because you can't be spiritual and be evil too. And you can't be spiritual and running people down at the same time. And you can't be spiritual and got ugly ways. And you can't be spiritual and have no compassion. Oh my. And no grace and no mercy extending to your brothers and your sisters. But Paul said, look at this. He says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, ye who are spiritual, Spiritual, restore such a one, notice, in a spirit of meekness or gentleness, which is the fruit of the spirit. Considering yourself, lest ye also be tempted. Now, I don't know the magnitude of the kind of fault that Paul is referring to here. Uh, you know, in our humanness, we want to, you know, we want to have degrees of mistakes, you know, big sins, little sins. I don't really know. That's not really my point I'm trying to make. The point of this passive scripture is simply that a person has made a mistake. And it's clear from this verse of scripture that the person who made the mistake is a Christian. I shout over this because it also is emphatically clear that just because a Christian makes a mistake, they don't lose their salvation. That's good news for somebody. Just because you slipped and you fell, you made a mistake, you made a blunder. It does not eradicate, it does not erase your salvation. Glory to God, or none of us would make it. But Paul says this to the church in Galatia. You know, later on he talked about, he said, Oh, foolish Galatians who have bewitched you. You started out in faith and some religious something got in and you went back into works again. But here he's talking about a, 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 a child of God who has made a mistake. And so obviously there were people in the church Instead of restoring the brother or the sister who had fallen, they were somewhat arrogant about it. Like, look what, look what they have done. You know, I wouldn't dare do anything like that. Well, it's a dangerous thing to say what you wouldn't do. Because we all have the potential of doing anything without God's hand resting on our lives. And so I just want to put that out there today. It's not the message but I want to put that out there because there are a lot of people in the body of Christ who have made some serious mistakes over the past few years. And the devil has just been browbeating them that somehow they have fallen out of the favor of God. And I want you to know, my brothers and sisters tonight, you may have fallen out of favor with man, but you have not fallen out of favor with God. And so you be encouraged tonight. And so Paul says to the church, he says, when someone stumbles and they fall, notice what he says. He said, restore. That means you don't kick them and you don't beat them down and you don't run their name through the mud, through the community because you want other folks to think ill of them. Paul said, restore them. 
Notice how he said, he said, and restore them in an attitude or a spirit of meekness. Why? Realizing that if it was not for the grace and the mercies of God, that could be me. Hallelujah. There's another law that says, whatsoever man sow, that shall he also reap. And you will never know. One day you may need somebody to extend mercy and grace to you. One day you may need a believer who is strong in the Lord to reach down with a hand of tenderness and not kick you in the mud, but pull you out of the mud and take the word of God and wash you off again and set you on the path called straight and tell you what God will tell you. Keep on walking forward. You have fallen, but get up and keep walking for Jesus. And that's the word for somebody tonight. If you have fallen and you've acknowledged that you have fallen, then repent for the thing that you embraced that caused you to stumble. But now that you have repented, get up, glory to God, and believe the power of God, amen, will engulf you again and you keep walking for Jesus. For there's still great things that God has for you to accomplish for the kingdom of God. So be restored tonight, my brother. Be restored tonight, my sister. Man may be mad at you, but God is not mad. Glory to God. Man may be throwing stones and bricks at you, but God is extending a hand of mercy and grace to you tonight. Hallelujah. And your hand in God's hands, you're well able to make it to the other side. Won't you bless his name? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, my message tonight is a continuation of what I've been ministering about the power, the power of imagination, the power of imagination. Imagination is a tremendous force. Can you say that with me? Imagination is a tremendous force. Maybe it would be good for me to do the four nuggets real quick just for a briefing uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do you call it when you kind of, yeah, like a recap, go over so we can just connect to the train and go on down the tracks. Nugget number one, put it up again real for me. Yes, your abilities are according to your willingness to imagine. Your what? Well, nugget number one is imagination is a creative force. Yeah, there, there they go. They're getting it right now. Imagination is what? It is a creative force. Nugget number two, please. Your outer conditions will always be harmoniously related to your inner state. Nugget number three. Why are there achievers and non-achievers? Why are there people who do great things and some people waste their lives? Why are there people who make something happen and some people are always talking about making something happen? Nugget number four. And we'll clear it up with this. Nugget number four. Go ahead. Yes. Let's say it again. The accuracy or inaccuracy of our thinking will determine the level of success we experience. Is this good? It's amazing. I'm thinking about 19, how this country has changed and shifted in his thinking or in her thinking, whichever gender you want to refer. But in 19, 
53, I believe it was. There was a shift in the thinking of a woman in this nation. Her name was called Rosa Parks. And one day, she decided that I've been walking to the back of this bus for I don't know how many years. And today, I am too tired to walk back to a section that they have delegated. That's where I'm supposed to sit when there's a seat closer to me as I enter the bus. And so she sat down. But it's amazing, Rosa Parks, in her, her shifting in her thinking, which, which caused a shifting in her action and the uproar, the civil rights movement that just seemed to explode in this nation because her thinking caused her to respond or to act in a way that was not the customs of that day. But her shift, say shift, her shift in her thinking caused or forced a shift of thinking in this nation. Can somebody say amen to this truth? And many, many years later, how many years? Let's move on from 1953 to the year 2008. That this shifting in thinking that kept resonating, it kept growing, it kept germinating, it kept increasing and it increased so much in this nation that in 2008, for the first time in the history of this young nation called America, it voted in an African-American president. So what kind of climate, what kind of thinking, what kind of mindset had to change from 1953 to 2008? And if you are began to entertain that thought, then you will begin to understand what I'm trying to get you to receive tonight about the power of your imagination. Rosa Park imagined sitting on a bus, riding and sitting in any seat she wanted to sit in. But unbeknownst to us, there was a young boy who was born in the state of Hawaii who dreamed one day that he would be the president of the United States. And though years passed and it looked outwardly like it was impossible, we thought, many Americans thought that we were in, we were in a dream world in 2008 when someone stood behind the rostrum and declared that the next president of these United States of America and then his name was, was uh, I mean, can you imagine how the thinking of this nation had to change from John Doe to Barack Ob Hussein Obama? Why was this possible? Because someone imagined, someone believed, and someone acted upon what they were believing on the canvas of their imagination. And look what it produced. Somebody ought to say amen. To this truth. Now let's go to our foundational chapter and verse for these lessons of the power of imagination. Let's go to the first book of the law. We won't stay long because we've been there on every session. But chapter number 11, the first book of Moses. 
And let's look again at verse number six, Genesis 11, verse number six. If you're there, say amen. Now look at this, verse number six again. We've been here, but let's look at it again. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are what? The people are one, so they're unified. And they all have one language. And this is what they began to do. They catch this next verse. Now, nothing that they purpose or imagine to do will be withheld from them. Did you catch that? God says nothing that they purpose or imagine to do will be withheld, come on, from them. Who said that? God said whatever man has purpose in his heart to do, whatever man has imagined in his heart to do, God says nothing will be able to stop them from accomplishing it. Then we read on to the next verse. God says, come, the council, the Trinity, let us go down, down there, confuse their language that they may not be able to understand one another's speech. Look at this next verse. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they what? And they cease building the city. God came down and confounded their language and the building stopped moving forward. The building project stopped. Glory to God. And the devil is the same today. The same today. He will take what God has given you that is supposed to propel you to your purpose and your destiny. Your imagination is a powerful thing. But if you don't guard your mind, Satan will get in and you'll use that awesome, unexplainable power, not for the glory of God, but you'll use it in a satanic and an ungodly way. And so what these people were doing, they were endeavoring to build a city, a tower. They were trying to build their own security. And the reason they were endeavoring to build their own security is because they had allowed their imagination to be captivated by the enemy. Instead of building something to the glory of God, they were trying to build something to isolate themselves from God. Are you all listening to me? But the point I want to make to you today is notice that this is after the fall of Adam and Eve. So it's clear that when Adam and Eve fell, that they did not lose their power to imagine. And today we have not lost our power to imagine. The question becomes, who are we using our imagination for? Are we using it for the kingdom of God? Or are we using it for the kingdom of the enemy? But you do have an imagination and your imagination has power. Is this good? Now let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're making progress now. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I feel some of you in the e-church who are watching me by streaming. I can feel you pulling on me. And it's a wonderful thing. I'm believing God for fresh revelation to flow in this service. Amen. 
Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Imagination is a tremendous thing. Imagination is a tremendous thing. Look at verse number three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the what? For the pulling, come on, for the what? For the, for the what? No, not lifting up for the pulling, for the pulling down of strongholds. Not pulling up, but pulling down. Well, where do you pull it down from? And where's the stronghold at? Because you can't pull it down if you don't know where it is. So where is the stronghold? Where is it located? Because you can't pull it down until you know where it's located. But the word of God says that we're to pull down every, every stronghold. We're to pull it down. Look at the next verse. It says pulling down every stronghold. Look, look at the next verse. Verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into or bringing every thought, bringing what? Bringing every thought, bringing every thought. Imagination is birthed out of thought. Bringing every thought, bringing every imagination into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. Bringing every thought into captivity. That means if anything tries to grab a hold of your mind that does not exalt, exalt the things of God, we are to cast it down. If, if we're dwelling on something that is not of God, we're to what? We're to cast it down. That means that you and I, that we have the power and the authority to do whatever you want to do with your imagination. So that means you can obey the word of God and you can pull that ungodly thought down or you can continue to meditate on it and meditate on it and meditate on it and produce something out of your imagination that's, not, that's something that does not glorify God. So we see from this verse of scripture that, that we have the power, say power, and authority, say authority, to do whatever we want with our imagination. So now the question becomes, what are you going to do with your imagination? Oh my. Anything that brings itself or anything that tries to exalt itself against God, the word of God says we're to do what? Cast it down. That means you take your focus off of it. You on purpose, you tell that thing to come down in your mind. You tell your mind that I'm not dwelling on that. I'm not focusing in on that because that's not godly. And the reason we have to do that, because if we don't change our focus because we've been made in the image of God, even though we're imagining and meditating on something that's ungodly, but because we're made like God, we will still produce it just like the, the, the Tower of Babel. You'll build something. Yes, you'll build something. And people may come and be and marvel at what you built, but it's not to the glory of God. Can somebody say amen to, the, to this truth? I say, well, somebody say amen to this, to this truth. Now, look at verse number three again. 
Paul says, for though we walk in the what? For though we walk in the flesh, the Greek word for flesh here is, is sarx, S-A-R-X, sarx, S-A-R-X. That's the Greek meaning, S-A-R-X. And it can be used in three different ways. How many ways? It can be used in three different ways. It can be used, uh, this word flesh can be used in a physical sense. It can be used in a psychological sense. And it can be used in a spiritual sense. Uh, here in verse number three, I believe he's using this, this particular word flesh in the psychological sense because he's dealing with the person's mind. He's telling them to cast down the thought that if you don't deal with it, it'll set up a stronghold in your mind. And he said, cast it down. So I believe this word flesh that Paul is using, I believe he's using it in the psychological sense. Are, are you all listening to me? Is this helping anybody at all? Uh, Ephesians 6, 12. Let's go there real quick. Ephesians 6, 12. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Are, are we there? No, notice what Paul says. He says, your fight is not with your pastor. Well, I thought I'd inject that. Notice what it says. Read it. For we do not wrestle against our husbands and our wives. I thought I'd inject that. Your fight is not your neighbor. Uh, that ungodly boss who don't like you, uh, your boss is not your problem. You're not fighting your supervisor. You're fighting the wrong person. Your, your supervisor's acting up towards you because there's something else going on. There's another actor behind the scenes. Are you listening to me? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You would think that would be the case, the way we fight one another. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I'm going to back up for a moment because Hosea said in 4, 6 that God's people what? And most Christians, they can quote that. Uh, uh, we perish for what? But the, the lack of knowledge that we, that we, that we lack that, that opens the door for us to perish is we lack knowledge of the word of God. There are so many Christians, and I didn't say they were not Christians, don't say I did, but they don't know the Bible. And they don't know the Bible because they don't want to know the Bible. Because if they wanted to know the Bible, they would study. Oh my. And so because they don't study the Bible and the devil knows they don't study, he knows he can take advantage of them whenever he gets ready. They perish because they lack knowledge, knowledge of what God has to say about the matter. And because they don't know what God has to say about the matter, they do what they think. Well, the thinking has to be wrong. Why? Because their thinking hasn't been renewed with the word of God. So everything they think and do is birthed out of their flesh from that old nature. Oh, God, this is helping somebody. Is this helping anybody at all? Is this helping somebody at all? So Paul says, for we wrestle not 
against flesh and blood. This is not my message tonight, but you need to know that your battle is not with the person you're looking at. There's an invisible entity that is involved behind what you're seeing acted out with the physical individual. And Paul says that there are demonic forces that are at work, that are arrayed to destroy you, to destroy your marriage, to destroy your son, to destroy your daughter, to make sure that you as a believer, that you never get on top financially so that you can be used by God to fund the end time kingdom agenda. Somebody told me one time, he said, Pastor, it seemed like when I gave my life to the Lord, all hell broke loose. I said, it did. Seemed like when I wasn't serving God, I mean, some things were just kind of easy. I said, you was on the devil's territory. I said, but when you gave your life to the Lord, you became an enemy to the devil. He doesn't want your marriage to be godly. He doesn't want your children to be godly. He doesn't want your business to glorify God. He doesn't want you to serve in the kingdom of God. He doesn't want you to be faithful concerning the things of God. He doesn't want you to be a soul winner. Amen. Populating the kingdom of God. So he fights you. But it doesn't make any difference that he fights you. If you know how to fight him back. With the word of God, he's an already defeated foe. Your elder brother already whipped his behind and gave you the keys to the kingdom. Glory to God. And all you have to do is use the keys. Here it is. Genesis is a key. Exodus is a key. Leviticus is a key. Numbers is a key. Deuteronomy is a key. Timothy is a key. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is a key. Ephesians is a key. Galatians is a key. Titus is a key. Judas is a key. Revelation is a key. Glory to God. Is this blessing anybody right here? Now let's go to Job and let's see something. Because imagination is so powerful. Go to Job chapter 3. And if you're believing God for a job, just spell it J-O-B. Look at Job chapter 3. Look at verse 25. I think that's what I want. Yes. Look at Job chapter 3. You there? Look at verse 25. Look what he says. For the thing I greatly, come on, talk to me. Come on, E-Church, I can't hear you in your living room. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. And what I dreaded, come on now, it's happened to me. Verse 26. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest. For what? For trouble comes. Now, now, wait a minute. Look what the verse said, verse 25. L- look at this. Job said, for the thing I greatly, come on. Why was he in fear? There was nothing to fear. Where did he get it from? Come on, people of God. Where, where did he get it from? There was nothing to fear. He was a blessed man. Why was he in fear about trouble coming? God didn't say trouble was coming. 
Come on, let's stay with the text. God didn't say trouble was coming. Job said, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. And what I dreaded has happened to me. Job had no apparent reason for believing that evil times were coming. Just like some of you. Because you're hanging around these negative talking people who are telling you, you know, one bad incident after the next bad incident. And this always happens to me. And if you turn this way, this always happens. And they done filled you with all this doubt and all this unbelief in your mind. And now you standing around with your blessed self, but you're looking for trouble to come. You're looking for something to come that God didn't even say was coming. Then somebody who don't know the Bible will say, if you just live long enough, trouble will find you. It won't find me. I'm blessed. It might come to your house, but it's not coming to my house. God has built a hedge of protection around me and my family. And even if the enemy does show up, the Bible says when he comes in like a flood, God will lift up a standard. I'm not looking to fall into trouble. I'm looking to be protected by God. Glory to God. But notice, Job said this. God didn't say it. Job said, this thing I greatly feared has come upon me. And what I dreaded has happened to me. Well, where did it happen? Before, listen saints, before it happened in his actual physical life, it had to happen in his imagination. And why was he imagining something trouble in his mind when God didn't say trouble was coming? He did not guard his mind, his imagination. And notice, because his imagination dwelt on trouble, guess what happened? I said, guess what happened? And that's what's happening to your life right now. You are drawing into your life what you're meditating on. You know what? I'm always getting in trouble and you're going to always keep getting in trouble as long as you're talking like that. Ooh, Jesus. I mean, everything's going good, but you're looking for trouble. You're going to find it. No, I'm not looking for trouble. I'm looking for blessings. I'm looking for healing. I'm looking for deliverance. I'm looking for favor. I'm looking for grace. I'm looking for blessings. I'm looking for increase. Glory to God. I'm looking for expansion. Glory to God. I'm looking for more. Hallelujah. I'm looking for another mountain to conquer to the glory of God. I'm looking to go forward, not backwards. I'm looking to go higher. Hallelujah. So what are you looking for tonight? What are you imagining on the canvas of your imagination of what your future is going to be? My future is not going to be trouble. My future is going to be blessed. More blessed then than it is now. I'm on my way right now to greater blessings. Blessed, come on, say blessed. Blessed, come on, say blessed. Blessed to be a blessing. Hallelujah to Jesus. So this fear with Job, notice it originated in his mind. This fear that Job had to tussle with, it originated where? It originated in his mind area. Let's let's look at this. Let's go to, uh, uh, I want to look at uh, 2 Timothy. Yes, 2 Timothy, real quick. 
2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. You there? Ready? 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. Look at this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. I cast the spirit of fear off of you right now. And I have a right to cast it off because God didn't give it to you. And if God didn't give it to you as a child of God, I have authority and power to make it move out of your life. You don't want it. I don't want you to have it. And God didn't give it to you. So it got to go. And in the name of Jesus, right now, just stop being fearful. Because God's got you covered. Somebody need to say that. In the name of Jesus, I stop right now of being fearful because my God got me covered. Ooh, Jesus. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound, sound mind. Oh, my. A sound mind means a disciplined mind. A sound mind means a disciplined mind. That means that you don't allow your mind to just wander off. You make your mind focus on the task of God that is at hand. You don't allow your mind to wander. You can stay focused. Because a sound mind means that you're disciplined. I can stay focused with the task that is at hand. I can do it and not allow my mind to wander all everywhere and not focus on what I need to do. Why? Because I have a sound mind. Somebody say, I have a sound mind. A sound mind means discipline. Your imagination comes out of your mind. Your imagination comes out. I wrote something down and I want to make sure you get it. I wrote this down because I thought it was important. Because your imagination comes where? It comes out of your mind. And your mind has four major elements. There's four major elements of your mind. The first major element of your mind is thought. Thought comes out of your mind. Uh, thought is where you create or, or, or where you make things. The second thing out of your mind is, 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 is learning, uh, uh, which means training. Uh, to, uh, keep doing the same thing until you can do it easily. This, this all happens in your mind. I'm not even dealing with the conscious mind, conscious mind and the subconscious mind. But number three is understanding. This all flows out of your mind. You ever heard somebody say, man, I said something to so-and-so and they have bad understanding. You ever heard anybody say that? Yeah, yeah. That, that means there's something going on in their mind that they're not able to properly evaluate and come to the right conclusion on, on the command that has been given. They have bad understanding. Understanding, comprehension, uh, uh, all this goes on in your mind, comprehension, education. Uh, some people have, have facts, but they, they don't have understanding. So, so you can have facts in your mind, but that don't mean you understand it. That, that just simply means you can quote the Bible, but that don't mean you understand what you quoted. It only benefits you when you understand it. Glory to God. Is this good? 
And then the fourth element uh, that's a part of your that part of your mind. We can get into some other things is your imagination. This is the capacity imagination. This is your ability in your mind to form mental pictures. Good God of mercy. Don't ever let the devil stop you from forming mental pictures in your mind about what your future is going to be. Because if you don't paint a picture, the devil will. I said, if you don't paint a picture on the canvas of your imagination, the devil will. And because Job didn't check his mind, his imagination, his focus, the devil accommodated him and painted on the canvas of his imagination trouble, which caused fear. The devil planted a thought in his mind. He focused on it. He meditated on it and fear gripped his heart. And the Bible says God does not give us a spirit of fear. So that tells us the fear that Job experienced, God didn't send it. And if God didn't send it to Job, he didn't send it to you. So now that we've already prayed and believed God and kicked the spirit of fear off of you, close the door and don't let it back in. Hallelujah, somebody. Is this, is this good? I said, is this good? So there is an orderly manner in which the mind functions. There's an orderly manner in which the mind functions. The mind is so powerful. The only illustration I know is uh, you all remember when you uh, got your permit. Any of you all remember that? When you, when you first got your driving permit and you was all excited and uh, which meant you could drive, but you had to have a licensed drivers with you. You all remember that? And uh, uh, you, you know, you had to search around and find somebody who was willing to risk your life and their life, you know, with you to, you know, you know, to get you to the place where you could. But the point being made is you had your permit and uh, a person took you out, you know, uh, endeavoring to show you how to drive. And, and the first thing they told you, 10 and 2. You all remember that? 10 and 2? 10 and 2. I mean, both hands on the steering wheel. Yes? I mean, your mind is what? Focus. Man, I'm driving. I don't want nobody talking to me. I don't want the radio on. I don't want any distractions. You, you all remember that? The mind is a powerful thing. And I mean, and you're driving and you're coming to the stops, you know, to, to a corner and you completely stop. Remember that? Remember when you used to completely stop? And, and I mean, <laughs> and, I mean, and you stop and you look both ways twice. You made sure your blinker was on or if you kept straight, you made sure everything was clear. You all remember that? And then you eased on off, you know, 10 and 2, 10 and 2. You don't want nobody saying that. You don't want any distractions. If there's somebody in the back seat, you want them to be still. Because <laughs> you're what? You focus, you know, because the, uh, your mind, the way it works, it, it, uh, your, your, your driving hasn't moved yet from your conscious mind to your subconscious mind. And so we, we come back uh, six months later. Same person, same car, and now you're driving with one hand. Huh? Radio's on, blasting, talking on your cell phone. I mean, you, you got it going. As a matter of fact, sometimes you arrive at home and you don't remember how you got there. It's like, man, I didn't remember. I don't even remember turning. I don't even remember getting off the interstate. Why? Because everything is functioning out of your subconscious mind. Are you listening to me? Jesus. Your imagination, your mind is so powerful. If you make a decision that you're going to bombard your mind with the word of God, the word of God itself will burst something in your spirit. 
the word of God will speak something in your soul that will cause you to create something that the world has never seen. I shared in former lessons, it wasn't long ago that we in this country were riding horses and buggies. And now we're driving cars and we haven't been driving cars that long. Now people are flying in planes. The Wright brothers, when they got off in the air, I mean, they were just flying for a few seconds. Now people are flying for hours, hours at a time. Just go up in the sky and stay up there for hours. I mean, take off in America and stay up in the sky for hours and land in Japan. Why? How did this happen? How do we get from from buggies to flying in the sky? We don't only fly in the sky. We eat up there. We watch movies up in the sky. Not only do we fly, we're putting people on the moon. Somebody imagine that. And I shared with you before about the Jetsons uh, in 1962. 1962. Uh, the Jetsons, uh, that program. There it is. You see it? And little did we know that program. Are you ready for this? The Jetsons program was predicated. Now listen, they ran it only one year in 1962. But that program was futuristic and it was the only one of its kind at that day. And the Jetsons came on the air in 1962, but what they were showing the audience was something that they had envisioned for 2062. So they were showing something to us in 1962 that had a hundred year date on it. In 1962, the Jetsons were talking on phones that they could see the person. They were dropping off their daughters as they were flying over to school. I forget her name. Judy. They would fly over to school and drop Judy down through a hatch to her school. And then keep on flying and drop Elroy, drop him off. Then they had a dog, Astro. Come on now. And they were showing this movie in 1962. But what they were showing you was a picture of what they had imagined that would be going on in the world in 2062. And now today we are talking on phones and looking at the person we're talking to. No, get a hold of it. We're talking on the phone in America, looking at our sons in another foreign country. And when we talk to them today, it sounds like they're just in the other room. That's how close they sound. And the Jetsons, whoever, I don't know who was the, the producer of the movie, but just think with me for a moment. The producer of the Jetsons, his mind on the canvas of his imagination was a hundred years ahead of 1962. So he was envisioning something that haven't even been made yet, but he saw it. He saw, he envisioned on the canvas of his imagination. He saw phones that people could talk to or talk with or use and see the person they were talking to. He saw a hundred years later where families would own their own personal jet that would fly them around the city. 
And in 2022, we pretty much have done everything on the Jetsons but the plane part. And this man saw it a hundred years down, down the road. That's why I ask you today as I close, what do you see? Job saw trouble. Job envisioned, envisioned trouble. He had to envision it because God didn't tell him he was going to get in trouble. There was nothing that I could see from scripture that indicated around him that he was on his way to trouble. But he manifested it in his life. Why? Because he imagined that trouble was coming. And guess what? Trouble came. And I'm telling you today, your life and my life is a sum total of what we're believing God for. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And as your thoughts remain, so does your life remain. You change a man or woman's thoughts and you change their lives. That's what we're endeavoring to do. To take the word of God and put off that old man and put on this new man who have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. We're no longer ignorant, but we're learning. We're learning the word of God. We're becoming more and more knowledgeable in the word of God of who we are and what we are and what we can do and what we can have. In the name of Jesus, I declare defeat will never be a part of your life again because you're meditating. You're envisioning. You're imagining a better life. You're imagining a better future. Glory to God. You're envisioning and imagining great and mighty things that God will do in and through your life to make a mark in the earth that cannot be erased in Jesus name. Do you believe that? Do you receive it? Well, give the Lord a praise and thank him for the word tonight. If the word blessed you in any way. Hallelujah. Wow. What an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.